Welcome, Zane, to the World XP Podcast. It's been it's been a pleasure. I've seen you posting some goofy content and TikToks that always give me a, a little micro chuckle, but I know you're involved in um, a couple other things. You got some Disney stuff going on as well, yeah, but I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to come on. I know it was last minute, but glad to have you. Yeah, man. I'm happy to be on World XP. I'm excited. I know you've been doing this for a while, so I'm excited to you know be able to be a member of the of the podcast. Yeah, for sure, man. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is I don't know. Did you ever read a book a book series called Kingdom Keepers about Disney World? Mm, I've heard of it. I have not read it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. So the first thing I thought of when you started doing all your Disney stuff was that series. Basically, what that series is is like teenagers are like late teenagers who are in the park and then the park comes alive at night and I'm sure you've heard all the Disney sort of myths and legends oh, about yeah. like the different like hidden doors that Walt Disney put in and, and all sorts of stuff like that. So all that book series basically just goes into depth about that. And that was the first thing I thought of when you were like, yeah, I'm going down to Disney World. Hey, man. I mean, on it, I'll tell you something, because I did the Disney College program in 2019 and I'm about to start a new one. You do learn a lot like of the secrets and things like that, the park doesn't come alive at night as far as I know, you know, not to the (laughs) extent that it does in the books, but there's definitely a lot of secrets and things that people talk about, you know, just, just as guests. And they think, you know, Oh, I wonder if this is true. And then as employees, Mm -hmm. you find out that a lot of stuff is true. Yeah. That's crazy. So like, what is, what is this college program or like, how did you get involved? What is it like? What does it entail? And how I guess also, how did you find it slash what was your interest in it? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a lot a lot of people would, you would say, oh, would you want to work for Disney? And they'd be like, yeah, sure. And then that that's the end of it. They don't actually go out and like do the research and figure out how to work for yeah. Disney, but right. you actually did it. So kind of what does that entail and what is the program actually all, all about? Yeah, well, you made a really good point. I think working for Disney, kind of from the outside looking in, it's it's a very interesting idea for a lot of people because Disney is was in a lot of people's lives since they were kids. You know what I mean? It's, you know, we all grow up and we get to a point where, oh, I want to do this career. I want to be a real estate agent or I want to be a CEO or something. But when we're kids, it's I want to be a ninja or I want to be a superhero or things like that. And I feel like what's cool about Disney and working for Disney is for me, I went to the parks a lot when I was little. And so I kind of have always had like a sense of nostalgia from them and just a love for Disney. Cause I also watched some of the movies and stuff like that when I was young. And I think for a lot of people, they are the same. And I think one thing that's interesting about starting either on the college program or starting to work for Disney is that that nostalgia factor is a reason for a lot of people and why, like why they start working for Disney. So I think that's one, one cool thing about, you know, what you're saying, because you're totally right. A lot of people would say that sounds like an awesome idea because they have that nostalgia and stuff and they have a history with Disney, but they just don't really go anywhere with it. For me, I did my college, or I, I learned about the college program because Mary Washington actually sent me an email and not just me, but a bunch of people, they sent out an email and they said, Hey, Disney's doing this internship. Uh, you should check it out. And interestingly enough, it was such a process to try to get credits for going on the program, considering Mary Wash was, they emailed me about it, but I had to do all this stuff to try to get like credits for it. I was like, why, like, yeah. why did you tell me about this? If you're going to make it so hard for me to like actually for it to mean anything, like, it's like, oh yeah, go do this. 
But like, if, if it means you're not going to be paying for credits from classes at our school, uh, like, well, I don't know if we're going to help yeah. you out. Yeah. Well, they ended up, they ended up giving me, I got six credits for it. Um, and I applied the first time I ever applied was fall of 2018. I'm pretty sure. I th- yeah. Cause that would have put you summer 2019 for being there. Yeah. No, but you know what? Yeah, okay, I was there in summer 2019, right? But I, I screwed up. I think I actually, when, damn, when I applied, I applied over a spring break. Spring break of my freshman year, I applied the first time. So I applied for spring break of my freshman year to go in the fall of my sophomore year, but I got declined because when I first applied for the program, and you know, for anybody listening who's maybe interested, definitely know the application process, it's pretty thorough and it's pretty, it's a cutthroat program. You know, I think back when I first applied, there's seven, somewhere between like 700 and a thousand people accepted. And I think I saw some different stats that said like 10,000 people would apply each year. And so, you know, it's like a 10%, 10 10% of the people who apply get in kind of thing. Like there's, you know, there's a lot of people applying for not a lot of spots. And so Mary Washington told me about it. I applied once, didn't get in. And then the next semester I applied again, but the next semester I watched a bunch of YouTube videos and things and tried to make sure I like got my application perfect. And I got in and I ended up being a custodian uh, for my, my first, my first job, my Disney college program job, my first time. Around. Damn. So how did you end up like, as when you're applying, are you applying for a specific job or are you applying for the yeah. program itself? Great then- question. If it's the program itself, how do they determine like where, like, yeah, because I remember you came back to school uh, the next fall and everybody was like, ah, Zane cleaned toilets all summer. Yeah, that's I got that from my dad, too, all the time. I mean, that's what's what's tough is just to talk a little bit about custodian specifically. That's what everybody says, right? You're cleaning toilets, you're you're picking up trash. It's not a very glamorous job at all, but of any position of like because there's a bunch of entry level positions you can work merchandise you can work an attraction you can do that you can be a lifeguard there's so many different things i mean it's freaking disney world there's so many different positions custodial easily had the most freedom of any position because i wasn't locked to one place if i'm a lifeguard i'm surveying the pool for eight hour shift if i'm on attractions i'm standing at my attraction for an eight hour shift maybe at different positions in the attraction, right? So maybe I'm operating the ride for two hours and then I'm working the queue line for two hours. Um, and with merchandise, I'm just walking around my store for an eight hour shift. But with custodial, let's think of it like Magic Kingdom because I think that's the, mo- the, one, the one most people know. Let's yeah. say I'm custodial, my shift is in Fantasyland. I can walk around the whole Fantasyland. The way it worked was on my phone, I, we, have the, we have these little phones and we would get a, a little notification when we'd have a specific thing to do. So it would be like, all right, you got to get trash out of this, this, uh, this can, this can, and this can. Get a notification on my phone. Okay. Then I got to go do that, whatever. And then I just check it off when I've completed it. But what I got to do as a custodian was walk around. I could talk to guests. I was actually encouraged to talk to guests. They told us, and, and really this goes for any Disney employee, they want us to see a guest who looks confused and go up to them before the guest comes up to us and asks us. So like, that's, that's just kind of the Disney way, you know, they don't, 
they don't want guests to have to come up to us. It's just the general way Disney operates. I think everybody understands that. Mm -hmm. And like I say, I mean, I got to just kind of roam around or I could say this family, oh, they, they say they want to go on Pirates of the Caribbean. I can walk them over there and then I can ask the fast pass person, hey, I just walked this family over here. Do you think you can give them a fast pass? You know, and that's something that these other people, your attractions, your merchandise or whatever, they can't do that. They just have to stand. A merchandise person can't be like, do you want that T-shirt for free? Like it, it doesn't really work <laughs> like that. But I had the opportunity to like actually provide families with valuable things on their trip. So that was a lot of fun with custodial. But back to your original question, um, which was. Do they do you apply for a certain position or how do they yes. pick which one do you go into? Yeah. So when you apply and this year was a little different, but normally when you apply, there's they list every position out on the application and you can check off high interest, middle, mid interest, like medium kind interest of, or low yeah. interest or yeah. no interest. And again, just for anybody think about applying, you want to check high interest for as many as possible because they, they're really not looking for, well, I want to do merchandise, but I don't want to do custodial and I don't want to work on attraction. And I guess lifeguarding would, no, like they want really the college program, especially you're a number, you're just, you're an employee, you're cheap labor, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's like, they're not looking for somebody who's going to, you know, pick and choose. This is what I want. Cause then they're just like, we got this person who we were thinking about cutting from the program, but they said they're down for anything. So we're just going to take that person instead. So normally you can say like high interest, medium interest, low interest, but they're looking for like high interest across the board, basically. Gotcha. And then is it just kind of random selection? Like when they tell you you're in, it's like, oh, you've, you've been accepted and you're going to be doing custodial. Yeah. Well, this year is different because of, I think, COVID and stuff. It, mm -hmm. Well, COVID paused the program here for the past about uh, past year, basically. And uh, this year, you don't even know your position when you get the offer. I don't even know what my position is yet. And I'm I go in less than a month, probably within a week or two of going like my start date. I will get an email and they'll tell me my position. But in previous years, generally application process goes you put in an application if that looks good you do what's called a web-based interview which is just like a series of questions that you answer and then if that goes well you get a phone interview and then on the phone interview what i remember is they kind of asked me some questions that pertain to custodial a little bit like one of the questions was what what is it you or they said you put interest for you put high interest for custodial why like what is it about being a custodian that is appealing to you or whatever and they would ask questions like that on interviews. And that's kind of how they would decide where they want to put you. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, all right. So you get accepted, you get your position and you're at the park and you are roaming around because you're custodial and you're free and you can do whatever you want. Yeah. What is, I'm going to eventually get to later. What are the secrets? If you can okay. tell, but you get to the park. And you kind of your first couple of days there, you are, you're doing what you're exploring, you're getting kind of on job training. What does that look like? Like, how do you develop your routine there? Because it, I would imagine not that it's too dissimilar from like other amusement park jobs or something like that, but right. also at the same time, it probably has some very Disney, stark, right? some stark differences being yeah. Disney. So walk, kind of walk us through that, that like first week of experience and, kind of with the stuff you that you learned. 
Yeah, well, you know, the first week is an exciting time, I think, for for anybody doing the college program because you're really, you're getting your first taste of things, so to speak. You know, you're going to Disney has this really cool casting building, and again, like anything with Disney, it's very Disneyfied. They don't. I will say this about Disney. They do care about their employees a lot. They might not pay them very much. You know, I'll be honest about that. I don't get that much money, but they do care. And they really put in a lot of work in things like casting buildings and the we we call them backstage areas. But basically the parts where the employees will go for like the break rooms and things like that. Mm-hmm. They put in a lot of effort into making those like sort of immersive so that you feel like you're a part of the whole Disney experience. You're not just an employee. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not so like that's, you go into a cardboard box. And yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm, get you're a not water just going bottle like a and trailer. leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. bull crap like that. No, no, no. Um, but the first week is, from what I remember, you go and first, if you're living in their housing, because for the college programs, they have their specific housing. They actually just built this whole new one called Flamingo Crossing, and it's just going to have every every Disney college program participant in it. Before there was like three different housing complexes for all the different participants but now there's just one huge one mm-hmm. and i'm not living there but i've been there before and it is super nice i mean it's beautiful there it's, i mean it was built in like 2020 i think so it's super renovated just very like high tech and stuff and modern and you go there you get your id for the housing complex so for me since i'm living off property it's probably just going to be like an events id so anytime they have events at the housing complex i'll be able to go in to the events uh, so that's kind of my entry ticket and then the first week it involves like a lot of training uh disney has something called traditions that's their orientation for their employees and they kind of go over the history of disney and sort of um just the culture of being a disney employee and different expectations they have for you they include a tour of magic kingdom kind of and so one of the secrets that that everybody this is kind of a popular one that everybody wonders is that there are there are indeed tunnels under magic kingdom that all of the employees go in and out of and stuff because it's interesting in the other parks there's just backstage areas if you keep your eyes out when you go you will see like there's little walls right and they don't really lead anywhere. It's like, it'll just say on the wall, it'll have, it won't just say employees only. It'll say like some disneyfied thing, you know, um, uh, fairy godmothers only or something like that. You know what I mean? Like some, mm-hmm. some, something that doesn't make it just obviously, okay, only employees back here. Sure. But for Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios and Epcot, they have backstage areas because, they just have more space, I guess. But with Magic Kingdom, you go backstage and then everything happens down underground in the tunnels. So that's uh, your traditions. They tore you through the tunnels. And that was pretty cool because, you know, I wasn't sure if they existed or not. And then after that, you know, throughout the week, there's all these different things. You have a orientation for your specific park. So for me, when I was custodial, I worked in Animal Kingdom. And so I did I went through my um my orientation for first of all traditions, which is just everything, and then my orientation for Animal Kingdom specifically, which is like a tour around the park. They they take you on a one of the rides there. We went on the safari ride. They just had everybody basically just walk right through the line, just went on the safari ride. And yeah, so it, it's kind of just a few different types of trainings. It's like traditions, general training for everybody, your park training, which is they take you to the park, give you a tour, and then the last one, um, 
is what what was it is your job specific training so then it's like for me being a custodian they went over all the different uh protocols and procedures for doing the different tasks that we would do each day gotcha one thing that you mentioned earlier and this is more for my own curiosity to be honest is when you when you get a notification on your phone yeah. that says like pick up this trash you know can. a lot of people are very interested in the system a lot of people do I've they have about. like for real do they have like weight like weight stuff in the trash can or like how do they know that it's full or so like how does little, that work it, it's interesting and what's cool is like if if a guest was to do this at the park they nobody would really stop them but again this is just all like little things to keep your eye out for so if you look at the trash cans throughout the park most of them some of them are like maybe older just different models i don't know but there's a little gray like tab on it, it kind of looks like you know how doors will have those little push push tabs yeah. on them and you can just push through it looks like one of those and if you pull it and then it'll open like a side door on the trash can when you open it up there's a little label on it so for me so the kilimanjaro safari that would be they would have cans in the queue line that i would have to clean out and they'd be called like safari t6 okay and then generally the notifications we get would be quote unquote trash runs so it would be like the kilimanjaro safari queue line trash run it would be like safari t6 t8 t9 all that stuff and basically there's a sensor at the top of the trash can that senses like when the can is full i think just when like trash is stacked to the top basically is it like a motion sensor or something so when something so when something like blocks it then it's like oh it's full exactly yep that's exactly it and so then we would just get a notification automatically that says okay this one this one this one this one this one are all full go clean them out and that's that's pretty much how that works but it's interesting if you if you go to disney and you look for that little gray tab you could literally like you're not going to be stopped by an employee or something you could open it and just look at the uh, the little door and you'd see on the label that's what that can is that's cool i never that's something that you never like realize about behind the scenes just how efficient and i don't again i don't know if other parks have that sort of thing but disney specifically how efficient everything is is run from yeah. the time like everything is always right on time everything is always i think there's some obviously correct me on the exact number but the trash cans are what like 29 feet apart because there's some like yeah some so rule that they, people put them in the trash more instead of littering if they're not 30 or something like that well little story for you because we we were told that i i don't remember which orientation it was at that they they taught us walt disney when he first opened the parks he did it kind of in a staggered manner so he didn't just have like okay parks open everybody anybody who wants to buy a ticket come in Mm -hmm. he had uh, i think like a few hundred people or a thousand people whatever in disneyland because he i don't think he was alive for the opening of disney world but for disneyland um he had however many hundreds of guests come and he didn't include any trash cans so what he did was i don't i don't know how they did that how they did it because it was this was in like i think the 50s was when disneyland opened they calculated how many steps on average each guest would take before just basically dropping their their trash because they would sell they sold food they sold like hot dogs and they basically said okay how many steps from the hot dog stand or whatever on average are guests just dropping their trash basically because there's no can and then from there they got like whatever it was 27 28 29 steps and that's how they decided okay every 29 28 27 steps we're going to put in the trash can that's brilliant and that's yeah. something that you would never think of like 
nobody would ever be like, yeah, I'm going to open a park with no trash cans. Yeah, literally. If I if I was if I was Walt Disney or whatever, I I don't know how he ever thought of that. Because I yeah, I would have just put in trash cans and been like, all right, I guess like every twenty feet or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's why we're not Walt Disney, and Walt Disney was Walt Disney. Yeah, true. Fair point. So there was some other about the park specifically in that book series and other things that I read because I read that book series when I was like a teenager. Mm. And so some of the things that were in it, I was like, Ooh, let me Google that and see if that's true or not. There were things about besides the tunnels, but there were stuff like in magic kingdom in the castle at the beginning, there's like an office in the, in the castle somewhere and different, different things like that. Like, have you heard of that sort of stuff? And, and obviously if you're not allowed to talk about it, you don't have to, but like what's some what's some of the things that you were privy to that other guests wouldn't know um that sort of stuff yeah i mean that's that's a good question and i'm there's not a whole lot i like quote unquote can't talk about especially because i'm not i haven't like started working for disney yet my college program starts on the 12th and i mean it it I have one, you know, a couple of years ago, but, mm-hmm. you know, one thing to understand is I, I also am just a college program person. So I don't exactly have like top level knowledge of everything. Sure. Sure. Of one course. thing about Cinderella's castle, there is a apartment in there and I'm pretty sure it's a really long wait list to get in to the apartment. Um, but it's or not an apartment. Like you can't live there, but it's like a hotel suite. And mm-hmm. I, I think you can basically get on a wait list to to stay in there but i think it's just super long and there's a little door out of the side of cinderella's castle that you know you use to exit um i don't know if there's an apartment building in there no idea another thing that you know if this was like a super huge podcast i probably wouldn't say this but because you know you're not gonna have it you're not you don't have like millions of viewers if you go up to a custodian and you just say be, be careful oh fair enough yeah it, it is going on it is going on the internet okay fair enough yeah Good we can point. talk we can talk actually i think here i'll ask you this and you can say yes or no i saw a video i think it was in disneyland japan maybe of some custodian playing under the sea with his like swiffer duster on the railing is that what you were about to say no i mean that's cool but no oh, i don't is, was that a thing did you learn how to do that Definitely. Okay. We definitely did not learn how to play, use our, our room as an instrument. One thing we did learn though, is, you know, the video I'm talking about though. No, I don't. it was like a vine or a, a vine or like a real short, it came out like, that sounds sick. Maybe I like, it. I wish maybe I like five years ago or something like that. And he just goes up to like this railing, like, um, like, you know, the railings on the outside of the sidewalks. Yeah. And I guess there's a spot where like when he hits the railing, it like makes a musical tone right. or whatever and so he just goes through the thing and that's plays, so un- plays under the sea i'll send it to you after that. yeah definitely send it to me but anyway so what we learned as custodians what they taught us was how to paint um different mickey Ma- or different disney characters with our broom and our dustpan and it's a very interesting sort of thing that happens so basically what it is is we use water and our our broom is like our paintbrush and then our mm. dustpan we use it to hold a bunch of water in so we'll fill our dustpan up with water and then you grab your broom you can you dip it in the dustpan and then you can paint i learned how to paint mickey minnie and i think goofy 
But there was like you could paint those three. You could I think paint Donald and Daisy. I think you could paint Simba. I think you you'd be taught that. But it's kind of a certification type thing because mm-hmm. this, again, kind of the way Disney run things runs things is a tight ship. You have to be certified to paint you know these guys on in the park because if guests come up and they see oh this custodian is going to paint Mickey Mouse and it just looks atrocious like that's yeah just, they don't it, want that. Yeah, exactly. A terrible look. So that's that was one thing that we learned that was really cool. And I wasn't great at it. I think I got certified for like Mickey because that, that it was literally what was funny is the order of like characters popularity kind of coincided with the order of their difficulty to draw. So Mickey was the easiest Then I think Minnie and then Goofy. But Goofy was a little harder because he has like different sort of uh, different face shape. Mickey's and yeah. Minnie's is very circular, but Goofy's kind of has like the oval kind of thing going on. And then Donald and Daisy. And then, like I said, I think Simba you could do. I think maybe you could do Stitch as well, but I'm not totally sure. So that's that was one of the cool things we got. We got to do as custodians. Yeah. Of, of the menu. But well, what, just... the other thing I was going to say was if you see a custodian in a Disney park and I don't really know how you nobody really ever approached me and asked me for a fast pass. I mean, my friends and if my friends were in the park, I was like, yeah, I'll just take you over to what ride do you want to go on. I'll take you over there. But if you see a custodian in a park and I mean, you just you want you say, hey, me and my family are looking to go on uh, Expedition Everest. But the line's pretty long. If you think you get us a fast pass. Generally, the custodians can just say yes, like. There was some rides that were very popular. Like, do you know what Pandora is? How new is that? The last time I went to Disney World was like probably ten, eight or ten years ago. Yeah, definitely after that. You know the movie Avatar, like with mm-hmm. the blue people. Yeah. So that's that's the part of Animal Pandora is where they all lived, right? All, where all like right. the blue people lived. Yeah, and I remember so, they added that in there. Exactly. Yeah. So they made a park. They made or part of their park of Animal Kingdom is Pandora, and um. Flight of Passage is kind of like the ride there. You know, it's just like the best ride that is at mm-hmm. Pandora. And it's super popular. Literally would have like in the summer months when Disney was the most popping, 200 minute waits. Like it was, Jeez, it was insane. Yeah. So, so long. So if you wanted a fast pass on that, that one, you know, we wouldn't necessarily be able to do because we would ask the people who are running the ride. And they said, honestly, there's too many people in the fast pass. Like, it's already 200 minute wait regular queue. I, you know, we, yeah. and, it, and it's probably maxed out on the fast pass side things. So you couldn't always do that, but for most other rides, yeah. If you ask a custodian, they should be able to help you out and get you on. That's a cool thing. I didn't know that. That's one of yeah. those things. that's like people that have been going to, like I have an aunt and uncle that go. Every year, every year close to it, every other year, something mm-hmm. like that. And they came with us the first time that we went because I have four siblings. So mm-hmm. it was like 10 years mm-hmm. ago and I'm the, and I'm the oldest. Yeah. So it was like lots of little kids. My aunt and uncle were like, yeah, just get fast passes for this and fast passes for this. And they were just running around. Like they knew all the ins and outs of the That's park. Cool. And I was like, you guys are to have absolute pros. Absolutely. Yeah, man. for sure. Cause they be know. Animal, oh, for sure. Cause we didn't even know that fast passes existed when we went down there at all. Yeah. Like, also I was like 12, but Fair enough. 14 well yeah well that's not but, your job as well yeah, no of course not of course not but just generally speaking to have that sort of it maximizes i feel like your enjoyment of the park yeah mm-hmm. because so you don't just, want to spend half your day waiting in a queue line no nah, absolutely not that's like 
That's not fun. You could do that at Six Flags. No, yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the thing, man. Yeah. Um, so what is the so obviously you enjoyed it the first time. Yeah, so you're going, going so you're going back. And what do you sort of hope to get out of get out of the program now that you've been there? Is there a reason that I, I, like most people, I feel like at least how I would look at that internship or program it would be like a one and done sort of thing, but you clearly sure. see that there's more potential there for you. So what sort of things do you see for yourself there that maybe others don't or kind of walk us through that thought process? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question, man. Um, you know, to get a little personal, I, I didn't, you know, graduating college as communications major. I didn't necessarily know where I was going. I had a few kind of irons in the fire. I got my real estate uh, salesperson license and that was, I gave that a try. That was okay. Maybe in the future, but not really a good time. When I did it, I was still in, I was still in college. It was actually right after my first program. When I came back, it was because I needed to finish. Um, I needed to basically start working as a real estate agent or my education was going to expire, my real estate education. So I had to cut my program short. But kind of coming out of college as a communications major, you know, I'm not bio, I'm not, I'm not nursing, I'm not like English or, or being a teacher or anything like that. So I didn't really know where exactly I was going to go. And with Disney, you know, one thing I really like about them is that they are very good from everybody I've talked to and people I've seen, they're very good about hiring from the inside and they will move you up. You know, if you're a good employee with a the company, they will give you opportunities to work your way up with the company. And I've always been a fan of Disney, the place itself, because I feel like they, they're one of the only things, entities in the world that kind of create a different world for you to live in. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like a movie where you go in for two hours and you watch a movie. Okay. You suspend your belief and enjoy mm -hmm. the movie and then you leave. This is literally a whole world. And I think it's also a place that puts the highest uh, stand has some of the highest standards of guest experience. And that's something I like because I just, I, I want a job where I feel like I'm making a difference for people every day. And I feel like with Disney, I can definitely do that. I mean, even, even for people that maybe aren't in Disney, I feel like if I was to continue to work my way up with them, I could make a difference with, you know, whether it be like sort of, under provided for neighborhoods or different things disney just gives you the op has opportunities to help not only guests in the park but just people outside of the park because it's they're such a global entity and with them i mean i really enjoyed my program and i know and knowing that they hire from the inside and you can work your way up with them i just decided you know i wanted to go back and it's, i didn't have anything else really calling my name so i just decided you know i'd give it a try going again yeah fair enough i think that's Definitely something that I know a lot of people that I've talked to have a similar sort of uh, similar sort of goal. Like they want to help people make people's days better, et cetera. And it's not always clear what the uh, best is not the right word, but the right path for that to do yeah. that is. And so everybody yeah. kind of has their own idea of, you know what, maybe I can make the biggest difference this way. Like for me, it might be coaching soccer and for you it might be working at Disney. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's a good thing that you've kind of, and to be honest, the first time you did it, I was like, well, if there was going to be anyone that was going to do that, it would have been you, <laughs> um, to be honest, you have the personality and the Thank sort you. of like the presence for that, I think. 
Um, and one of the things that you were doing that led me to that belief, besides just me knowing you as a, as a person, was the sort of content creation side of things yeah. that you have partaken in. I think you were doing TikToks a while ago, but you've recently picked that back up again. And I mm-hmm. know it was with the intent that it was going to be sort of Disney-centric uh, content. It's kind of shifted a little bit, I think, into just more general short-form content. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. When when I watch some of these, I'm often left with like a, that's funny and ob- like obvious, not the right word. Like, for example, the when dads get angry one. Yeah. It's like, duh, they all do that. But I would never have thought to like put it together in that way, mm. you know? So like, where does yeah. your, so like, you've got the personality for it, but where does the sort of the inspiration for that come from the sort of the creativity to say, Hey, you know what, on this, this last one, I'm going to be really emphatic and say, you're pushing it and mm-hmm. do like all this stuff with it. And like, where does that sort of come from for you? Oh man. I mean, with content creation as a whole and sort of, I'm sure this also plays a part with me going to Disney in general, wanting to work for Disney. I've kind of I've been in theater since I was little, like I was in elementary school and I I gave theater a try. And then I kind of stuck with it through really freshman year of college. But first year of college, I auditioned for a show and I got a call back and then I ended up getting cut. But in the whole process, I saw how much time it would have taken to be in the show because they gave everybody at callbacks. They like gave everybody, okay, here's the auditions or the rehearsal schedule if you get in and super time like restrictive it was literally every single day there was something and then the closer you got to the show the more time time things took and I knew you know playing basketball and hanging out with my friends and trying different things being in campus recreation all that kind of stuff it just wasn't gonna work but I think that part of the reason I've enjoyed content creation and kind of gone back and forth with it a lot because it also takes up a lot of time if you want and, and uh, dedication really time and dedication to stick with it is because I did theater and I mean I enjoy making people laugh honestly I think I think it's a good thing I think the reason I've stepped back from it some is because to get a little philosophical a little deeper sometimes I catch myself placing too much of my basically basing too much of my happiness on whether or not I'm getting these likes or these comments or kind of the approval and uh, validation of other people. And, you know, when I catch myself doing that, I don't really, it it makes social media and being a content creator less appealing because it's like, you know, I'm now basing my job or whatever, this part of my life on whether or not other people like what I'm doing. But at the same time, I think it's just really fun to, put the, the funny things that you do and the funny things you think of uh, the entertaining things you think of on video. And I mean, it worked for me with TikTok. I ended up getting like 50,000 followers, which is pretty dope from a, from a few different series I made. So no. Yeah. I, speaking personally, I definitely understand the sort of the likes and the views and whether or not people like it. Yeah. And one of the things that I had to realize with the podcast, especially, and it's, it's a little bit different, given the length of the content, you're very yeah, short form right, minute or two, right. whereas I'm more hour or Absolutely, hour yeah. or two. I realized very early that I am going to do or say things that people might not like, or mm-hmm. might not 
not even that they might not like that they just might not hit the like button or they might not agree or think it's funny or whatever the case is and it's kind of one of those things where it's like i'm gonna do it because i like it and if people want to watch it they can and if they don't then that's fine too and it took me a couple of episodes to to kind of get that through my head uh the first episode with sammy and izzy i think they texted it to like everyone and their mother but so that was super helpful because it was it was very supportive generally i'll do the same same. oh there you go there you go it was generally very supportive and it helped with that sort of like you know what this one went well next one went well i'm enjoying it yeah eventually one is not going to go so well because you know more people life happens you make mistakes whatever yeah it's like when that happens it's kind of like uh, with any content creation it's just uh i was listening to this podcast with this guy named josh richards really big tiktoker uh social media guy but he says you know the reason a lot of social or a lot of media creators influencers whatever you want to call it stop doing what they do is because or or just end up sort of crashing is because you know they they get to their peak they're doing really well kind of hit a high point and then as they're declining right just because that's just like you're saying then it's a natural course of things mm-hmm. when they're declining they're thinking oh i'm losing these followers i'm not getting engagement i'm not getting new followers i need to change my brand and change who i am to get that back and all that really does is make them lose even more people and make them not gain more people because they're not being authentic and they're not being who their followers followed them for. Yeah, 100%. I'm sure you know this as somebody who partakes in the social media or content creation scene. Like when you have people that you follow, sometimes you just kind of like drop off, like you get busier yeah. and you, you're not able to follow them mm-hmm. or you're not able to tune into as many videos or whatever. Exactly. And keeping that in the back of my mind is like, if something does better or worse, I'm not really offended is not the right word, but I don't really question it. And maybe I should, maybe I should write there's things that I could do to sort of like maximize the algorithm or whatever, Yeah. but I don't really question it because it's like, okay, they, someone's like, whatever. It's like, if if they have time, they have time. Exactly. And so the reason why I bring it up for you is because, like I personally don't have a TikTok account, but Jenna does. And she sends me funny ones all the time. And yours are in line with like the hit ones that she sends me. And so when I watch yours, I'm like, man, this guy could go somewhere with some TikToks, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah. I know that you can because you already did it. Um, but so yeah, I bring that up from from the standpoint of like, what does the future hold for you with this? Cause I know, like I said earlier, the intent was Disney-centric creation with you going back to Disney World do you have a plan to sort of keep doing it or are you kind of just kind of doing it for fun or like, what's your perspective on that moving forward? You know, it's, it's a great question. And I think one, one kind of good piece of advice that I've heard or well, not even that I've heard, but that I can honestly say is true, says true to me is you got to do it for fun because if it's not, not to say you don't take it seriously, you know, there's obviously things to be said for, making the right captions and making stuff that the the algorithms will like, so to speak on each individual app, but kind of back to what you were saying, if you're not doing what you're doing out of the enjoyment of doing it, because you like making a podcast, because I enjoy making TikToks. It's not even the fact that people 
might or might or, or may not watch it, but you're not going to stick with it. For me, my biggest issue, I tried daily vlogging for about two weeks um, around a year ago and I couldn't stick with it because I just didn't, I don't really like it. You know, when I'm in my day to day, I don't want to record things. I just like experiencing them. And I think sort of the, the thing is with me and why I've noticed I haven't been as successful being able to stick with TikTok or YouTube or whatever else is because I wasn't, do, I was doing it because I wanted to be famous or I was doing it because, like I said, I, I got validation from the likes. In reality, to to do it and to stick with it and to make it actually something that matters. And, and honestly, the authenticity of you actually enjoying it, that show, your viewers can, can sniff that out. If you're doing it because you're trying, if you're trying to make people laugh or if you are, if you're doing it because you want those likes or whatever else it is, your viewers will be able to see that whether it's conscious and they can just tell obviously or not, they'll know, okay, this guy's not being authentic. I don't want to follow him. So I think for me, the future, it depends a lot on kind of myself and where, and where I am in regards to social media. I've kind of gone this past year or so on sort of a spiritual journey, just working on myself a lot and really trying to question my beliefs and my thought patterns and things and in doing that again i found stuff like i'm, I'm getting valid too much validation from these likes and, th and and these different things and i think with doing social media is definitely a possibility in the future because like i say where i where, when i got fifty thousand followers on tiktok i was literally just bsing around on a consistent basis, but I was just recording TikToks like each day of funny things that I thought of. And I ended up getting a bunch of followers off that because people, I think people just liked that I was authentic and that I was creating stuff that I thought was funny. And that apparently 50,000 other people, however many people thought was too. And I think that for any creator, that's, that's what gets you going. And that's what keeps you going is authenticity and showing that as much as it's a, it's a nice plus that I'm here and that you guys are watching me and, Maybe I'm getting money from this or X, Y, or Z, but you know, you're doing it because you enjoy doing it and because it's just, you're just being yourself while you do it. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think I would add one more thing to why you got 50,000 followers because you have the personality for it. That's like Thanks, people, man. people get drawn, people get drawn to it. It's like, I don't, I'm not one to send or share like memes or TikToks. But as you and I both know, I've shared a couple of yours and that's because I'm like, dude, that's hilarious. And it's one of those things where this, the, to your point about you have to enjoy it. It's like this sort of, if you were to make this into a, a part-time job or something like that, even full-time or even, yeah, going even full-time, the only person that's going to make you do it is you. So if you don't right. like it, like you don't have a boss that's like, hey, you gotta show up at eight in the morning. Like you yeah. are, like you are your boss. And so if you don't mm -hmm. like it, and I think uh, you know John Mulaney is the comedian. Yep. yep. Yeah. So he's got one bit, and is like, he was like, why would I do that thing when it's so much easier to just not do it? Yeah. And right. it's, that's yeah. what it is. That's, like a, that's a perfect, perfect like uh, analogy for TikTok yeah. or for social media. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you're the, you're the only one that's making you do it. It's like, I'm the only one that made me reach out to you, turn on the, uh, the camera and the, and the mic and record this. Yeah. 
like I didn't have to reach out to you, but then there would have been no no podcast. On, on, yeah, there would have been exactly. And so if you don't enjoy it, I feel like people start it, they're like, oh, I want to be famous. Like, like, like you said, they're like, ah, I could be what's his name? Bryce Hall or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bryce Hall. That's yeah. So Josh Richards, a guy I mentioned, is like mm-hmm. Bryce Hall's bait, like other, you know what I'm saying? They're like best mm-hmm. friends. They're all yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I could be them. It's like yeah. Well, well, that's the thing, man. That's you could be them if you do it every day for like years and years and years and you get lucky. It's like you got to do it because you like it. Like the chances yeah. of you being them are slim to none. Slim to none right? Yeah. You got to get lucky. You have to stick with it. You have and to be on that point, man. Why would you want to be them? You know, just like exactly. we're saying, if you want to be authentic and you want to do this, then you need to do it from with your own personality being who you are because mm-hmm. again viewers will sniff it right out if you're trying to be like someone else 100 and i feel like people don't understand what that life actually entails dude they don't they don't because uh, what's tough is generally when you start seeing these influencers it's when they've blown up because when mm-hmm. do they get promoted to you well when they get promoted to you which means that they're being promoted to many people which means that they're blowing up and yeah, it seems like a super like, oh, man, that's so awesome. He, he's creating on his own um, all, all this stuff. I got a good friend. His name's Jojo. And he blew. I mean, he's pretty big at this point on social media. He's got like 60,000 on uh, YouTube and uh, getting close to a million on TikTok. Um, so and he's blown up. But back in 2019, when I did my first Disney college program, he's, we both kind of started at that time. And I just mm-hmm. kind of tapered off, stopped, do, stopped doing the social media stuff and he stuck with it. And he worked his tail off these past couple of years to get to where he is. And he still is. I mean, he mm-hmm. literally will make damn near daily videos and that's hard. It's hard. I was talking to him about it, staying up till 4am and editing. That's not what you see when you go on YouTube nope. and you see a million subscribers. Okay. You just see the cool stuff they did. You don't see staying up till 4 a.m. You don't see probably, well, it's a staying up till 4 a.m. and then probably starting your job or whatever else it is, you know, four hours later mm-hmm. or hardly making enough money to get by. It's like when you first start going full time, let's say you want to do you, social media full time and you just start, but you, you know, it costs money and you're not making that much off the start. Yeah, so there's you're a lot scraping by you got to have enough save to kind of and i know we're sort of running short on time we'll get you out of here um mm-hmm. but you're kind of scraping by you have to have enough saved up to sort of make that jump and then like you said you're working so hard to do it and speaking and i know you know this but we tried to do sort of weekly podcasts at one point but the amount of scheduling time that it took to find people to get on to actually mm-hmm. schedule it then because it's long to get sort of the clips ready to go and then to get everything edited and then have to go back to those people for like the, their bio and a picture or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes people are like, Oh, well you can't use this picture or that picture. And then like you have people reaching out to you for different things. It's like, so, so we ended up being with this schedule where it's like, we're doing it three times a month, which I feel like is a good balance. It's like consistent it's enough. Are, yeah. I mean, it's, it's consistent like enough, but it's, you know, it's not weekly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, it's like nine, it's the ninth, 18th and 27th. So it's nine days in between each one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like weekly or daily at all, but doing mm-hmm. like to do 
this sort of thing daily where you need guests to, to kind of do it. You have to be on a level where you can just reach out to whoever and they'll say yes, yeah, like a, I mean, like we'll a Rogan that. or like a Jordan Peterson or like somebody exactly. at that level. I'm sure it's tough from a podcast perspective mm-hmm. because yeah, you're not like a huge, uh, some huge personality who's like, Oh yeah. Kevin Hart or Jordan. Pe- I mean, any of you guys, you want to come on the podcast? Like, mm-hmm. no, it's, you got to find people around you with interesting stories and stuff come from there. Exactly. And that's difficult. Cause then I can go down like my list of people that I talk to and like some of them I'll be like, Oh yeah, for sure. And then others I'd be like, like what? Like what do you? What are you? Yeah, what are you like? What are you gonna bring to the table? And it's like it might sound harsh, but at the same time, it's like you're trying to create interesting content for people. And so as we've kind of branched out a little bit, keeping track of all these people that we've reached out to, mm-hmm. they say, "Oh, maybe we can do it in two weeks." It's like, all right, we need to follow up with them. Do we follow up with them? Do we not follow up with them? It's like keeping yeah. track of all this stuff, is, and then getting it all yeah. scheduled and recorded so Dylan has enough time to get the edits done before it goes out. It's like. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that like you were saying, for, like to do daily videos, like some of these guys that do like there are FIFA YouTubers that'll do like three times a day on three different channels. That's absurd. Yeah. Absurd, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I remember when I was, I would watch some gaming videos back in the day and it's like, God, that's, they would promote it. They'd be like, Hey, uploading twice a day now. How? And I mean, frankly, you got to think about your own just well-being. You're going to be mm-hmm. sitting in – imagine the amount of time you are spending sitting in front of your computer or your, your, or your monitor and, and, get, and you're either gaming or editing. Like it's mind-numbing to me. That's part of why I like YouTube and the more short-form stuff I've found more interested in is because mm-hmm. it's a lot less editing. Sitting in front of my, my freaking – when I was trying daily vlogs, I got about two weeks in. And I couldn't do it anymore because I'm sitting in front of my computer five hours a day for a five minute video. And then the rest of the day I need to spend recording content. And it's like, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. And it's just this cycle. And like, so you need the amount of time to do it, which amounts to a full-time job for not full-time job money. Exactly. And so it's, it's tough. Like the people that have really made it like hats off to them, man. It's like, Cause that's, that's no joke. And they have to really yeah. like it and they have to really kind of put their mind to it. And yeah, you go, I mean, that's the thing. It seems great that just like we were saying, awesome that they are where they are, go listen to their story and then decide if you want to follow their path, listen to how they started and what they had to do to get here. Because I was actually listening to a different podcast. Um, it's called the school of greatness podcast. You ever heard of it, but it's super cool. This guy was talking about um, just it was some different just psychological things to improve your life type deal. And one mm-hmm. thing he mentioned was I can't remember what exactly the uh, method was called, but basically human beings have a habit of when they envision their goal. Uh, it's, it's like the, the stuff you hear about uh, with manifesting. Sure. When you think about that end awesome result, right? So you want the easiest way to explain it. You want to go to the gym. You think about, all right, I'm going to have a six pack body. I'm going to look so amazing. What we, you know, that's the stuff we envision in our heads. What we should be envisioning is when the day comes when I don't want to get up and I don't feel like going to the gym, what am I going to do? Because it's, you know, when we start imagining we, we have those things, we like, we have the six pack body, we have the big biceps, whatever else we start to get the feeling we, like in our body that we already have them. And we like, we kind of fulfill our need by imagining that we already have it. 
what we should be envisioning, right, manifesting, thinking about is what am I going to do when, you know, things hit the fan? Because they will, whether it be that, whether it be being a blogger or an influencer. When I have to go record and I don't have any content, and I, but I need to make something, I don't want to, what am I going to do? Because when you ask yourself that question and you can legitimately and honestly say, I will be able to break through that wall, then you got something. Then you might actually be dedicated enough to make that happen. Yeah, 100%. I think one last anecdote and then we can sort of, how much time, how much more time do you have? Uh, we can do like five, 10 more minutes. All right, cool. I think one last anecdote to that specifically is that sort of is a, you can, you can apply that to just the rest of your life, generally speaking, whether it's uh, influencing fitness, um, yeah. like sticking to different goals and plans and like diets you have or whatever the case work, may yeah, be. Diet, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. It's like, do I really like, I could have this ice cream cone or I could not, Dude, I really want that's it. Perfect. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's, and, and you can apply that to every sort of aspect of your life mm-hmm. and like John Mulaney says, it's so much easier to not to yeah, do that but, thing. And that's, and that's the thing. You know, that's the thing. And, and it's funny in the podcast, like in that episode, do you know what the secret is? Like, you've, have you heard of that? Mm-mm. Do you know what the law of attraction is that people talk about? Yeah. Uh, okay. You think you, you imagine you have something and it comes. Dude literally, literally called it bullshit. Like he, you know, excuse my French, but literally was like all this law of attraction bullshit. Because he was basically, he was saying, when you imagine you have these things, you're going to get them, you are satiating the desire and the hunger psychologically in yourself to go get them. And that's why we really need to imagine more, what's it going to be like when I don't feel like, when I want that ice cream cone, but I know if I do, I'm going to go over my calories for today, situations like that. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to have to look into that because I know a lot of these sort of, and I, I've learned this because of, because Jenna's a psychologist or she's got her degree in psychology. She's going for her master's in in psychology as well. Um, that a lot of these sort of like rules that people say aren't actually based in like any sort of psychological research or whatever. Um, and so she gets irritated with them, even if they like seem true, like to us, you're like, Oh, that makes sense. It's like there's no research. It's like so I've well, I've had to learn to kind of do my own research to be like, okay, where did this actually come from? Like the law of attraction thing, or like it whether it's true or not, or like yeah. where did this come from, etc. And it's like kind of I don't know. This is not super related, but but yeah, generally speaking, not so human psychology and just like motivation and stuff is super cool. And I need to get yeah, I need dude. to get somebody on to like talk about that sort of thing. But I think one last question, then we'll get you out of here. What is, uh, what's the future hold for you? So you're going to the the Disney college program again, then give me like a year to three year sort of, if everything goes right, where are you at? Right. So uh, first things first, you know, we're, I, I have a year lease, right? So, so like I said, I'm not living on Disney property. Me and a couple of friends are moving into an apartment that's 15 minutes from Disney. But um, so, so I'm there for at least a year and I expect that I'll be down there even longer, you know, if all, if all goes to plan. Start out with the Disney College program, right? I'm going to move in there and start my program July 12th is the exact day. And basically um, going to start working whatever position I do. 
And I'm, I'm going to try to be like a really solid employee because I want to put myself in the best position to move up. And Disney has a few different routes that I'm really interested in. They have a guest experience team. And I don't there, there's a guest relations team, a guest experience. One of them is the ones in plaid that do celebrity tour guides. That would be really cool if I got to do that. The other one um, works more like day to day to day with guests and kind of gets information from them. Like, what are you enjoying about your experience today? What could be improved about your experience today? It's kind of what's cool about it is that they're in the park finding these things out. Right. So mm-hmm. like it's, we're, they're asking them questions during their day, which is really cool because, you know, it's like we're not sending you a postcard after saying, hey, fill out this survey for us. It's during the day. Hey, what's going on right now? What what is what's good? What's bad? What can we fix? I really like both of those things because they involve a lot of guest interaction. And that's that's what I'm there for. It's what I want to do. And that, you know, so in the years following my program, my program is set to end in January. So, you know, in the years following that, I'm just hoping to move up with Disney and, you know, whether it be in my position specifically. So just kind of a little bit more intel on the Disney position system. Let's say I start as a custodian. I can go from just a regular custodian to a coordinator. Coordinator is like the next step up. Basically, they... um, I don't know all their roles, like everything they do specifically, but they will, they're, they're kind of the person you call if, Hey, this guest is kind of, you know, acting out there being mean, um, or I don't know how to do this. Can you help me do this X, Y, or Z? They're the, the person above, uh, and they'll like lead a team of custodians. And then above a coordinator is a leader, a leader runs like, I think in like an entire day of shifts kind of thing. And, They'll be walking around the parks, not even in like a in a custodial uniform, like they'll walk around in a suit kind of thing so that, you know, again, whatever is kind of in a, in a direction where I can move up, make more money, but also have more impact and keep and also interact with people. You know, I think at the end of the day, if I'm able to interact with you, the same, like a lot of people, but also have a lot of impact, that's kind of just the direction I want to go with Disney. So if it's being a coordinator or a leader, or if it's working with guest services or guest relations, I think any of those routes would be good. And then, I mean, just keep moving up and we'll kind of see, you know, where things go from there. Sounds good, man. Where can everybody find you and your, and your content? You can find me Zane Burke, Z-A-N-E-B-U-R-K on Instagram and TikTok. Sounds good, man. Everybody go check him out. We'll put those links in the description. It was great to have you on. I appreciate your time. And we will hopefully we'll get you back on at some point in, in the near future. I really enjoyed the conversation. I think we, uh, we had to cut it short, obviously, but hopefully the next one can go a little bit longer. Absolutely, Eric. Thanks, my man. World of course. XP. Check them out, follow, all that good stuff. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Sounds good. Bye, everybody.